1: If you have a Bible, I'm sure you do find 1 Samuel, chapter 18. As you're finding your place there in 1 Samuel, let me just say that in Virginia, uh, on behalf of the SBC of Virginia, we want you to know that it's our firm belief that churches need gospel partnership. And really, if the Lord leads you to serve in Virginia, you may be serving there right now while you're in seminary, we want you to know that the thread through our ministry and through our fellowship of churches is simply this. Churches are not alone. We believe that churches need gospel partnership. Uh, I, I think when you consider the Great Commission that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us, even if you take one of the largest churches you can imagine or you may even be a part of one of the largest churches here in the United States of America, It is just an audacious thought to think that you can accomplish the Great Commission all by yourself. And that's why I'm so excited about, well, for instance, our current uh, Southern Baptist Convention president, uh, J.D. Greer. His heart for leading a church, hands-on, and understanding that it is what God is doing through local churches that makes the difference. But also embracing the fact that, well, even a church as large as Summit partners together with so many other churches. And really, it encourages so many. So I'm just so thankful for what God is doing through our larger family of Southern Baptist churches and thankful that I have the opportunity to serve in Virginia. Uh, moved to Virginia when I was a year old. My dad was uh, worked for the shipyard there in Newport News for over 40 years. I was uh, raised by a, a Baptist deacon and his wife, and they are still there in that same community now after all those years. And um, and he taught me a lot of lessons and and uh, really passed a lot of things on to me that still have impacted me and in my perspective on ministry in so many ways and uh, just amazing to see the journey that the Lord takes us on and it just so happens that of course I came here to seminary but. My entire ministry experience has taken place in Virginia. Didn't really uh, mean it to be that way. Uh, I know part of the heartbeat of this seminary is to send folks to the ends of the earth and really just that word go, that's what you're about. That's really what all of us ought to be about. And it just so happens, Dr. Aiken, that the Lord has kind of kept me right there in the state of Virginia. I remember a couple years ago, now it's probably, man, it's probably been about 15, 16 years ago, I was serving with the North American Mission Board as an evangelism missionary and church planner in Virginia the state I was raised in not very far from here and I was uh, at a big missions conference and fair that was taking place in Kentucky in Somerset County and they were having this missions fair and they had all of these different missionary representatives from all around the world that were there and evidently they lined us up in alphabetical order so right before me was a young lady who had been serving as an IMB missionary in Vietnam And so folks would come by with their families and they would kind of look at the display. They would would talk to the person if they spoke in a different language. They would hear some words that were in there in the the language and the tongue of the land they were serving as a missionary in. And so so they talk with this young lady who's serving in Vietnam. We're in Kentucky, all right? They talk with her and they they are just spellbound by her testimony about what God is doing in Vietnam. They move from Vietnam and then they talk to a, quote, missionary in Virginia. And I have to... I just have to tell you, I felt extremely intimidated. I mean, we speak pretty much the same language in Virginia as they speak in Kentucky, close. And, and I didn't have any real, I wore, I didn't have any special clothes or anything. And I, and I just wanted, to, this is where God has placed me. This is where God has sent me. And my message to you as we begin to uh, consider today's sermon is this, is wherever God sends you, You and I, we are on mission, amen? God has called all of us to be a part of his gospel work that's taking place in this world. And if it just so happens that God sends you to Virginia or Metro DC, I want you to know that you've got brethren there that love you, that will stand with you, and we want to encourage you in the Lord. So I appreciate your prayers for our work, and we're praying for the work that God has you involved in and what God has called you to. Well, today as we look at 1 Samuel and chapter 18 and a couple other places in 1 Samuel, while I certainly believe that churches are called to gospel partnership, today I also want us to understand that God calls us not just to gospel partnership, but to what I call godly friendship. I'm joined here today by my good friend and my pastor, Derek Futrell. I was talking to him a few weeks ago, and I was wrestling with well, what do you preach at, seminary chapter, uh, at a seminary chapel, Dr. Aiken? And I was thinking through that and praying through that, and my dear friend, Derek Futrell, he said, you ought to speak about the importance of friendship in our lives as ministers of the gospel because it's something that a lot of us take for granted, but many of us practice very poorly. Now, I don't know if this is the kind of message or the subject that you were anticipating today because I understand exactly where you're sitting right now because it turns out that exactly 25 years ago, I was sitting right here for the first time in my life at chapel service at Southeastern Seminary. 25 years ago this week. And I think about what God has done in these past 25 years, Jennifer and I building a family and being involved in different ministries and raising children. It's been a tremendous journey. And I heard messages, all kinds of messages right here in this very chapel. I sat through theology classes, took biblical studies, evangelism classes, missions classes, language classes, you name it. All of those necessary and important courses that you're involved in right now. That's what we need to study. That's what we need to be about but there is a critical lesson that each and every one of us must never ever forget. God does not want us to go through this life and to serve in this ministry alone. He does not want you to be alone. He wants you and me to understand something that all of us back in kindergarten were reminded of and that is the importance of genuine friendship. And in 1 Samuel 18, we're introduced to one of the most prolific pictures and episodes of godly biblical friendship you find, really, in all of the Bible. And let me just read to you the first portion of chapter 18. This is what the Bible says in verse 1. As soon as he, referring to David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and he gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt and David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war and this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants Let me pray for us. Father, I pray right now that you will take the scripture today and you will help us to apply it to our lives lord i pray for your blessing on the ministries represented here in this room and the families represented and god i pray today that you will remind each and every one of us that while we obviously embrace the need for gospel partnership i pray today you will also remind us of the importance of godly friendship in our lives lord guard us from the idea that as we grow smarter as we become uh involved in greater leadership positions guard us from the thought that we do not need others. Guard us from the thought that we can somehow ascend to a platform where we do not need to have something as simple as what a kindergartner understands and that is we need friends but not just any friends god we need godly friends we need folks to come around us like david needed and like you gave him in the person of jonathan so i'm praying right now lord for the for for the person in this room who may feel all alone i'm praying right now lord for the person in this room or watching uh, online or what have you that that down deep knows they do not have a genuine brother that they are close to in their life. God, I pray for the men and women listening. God, help us each to understand the importance of godly friendship in our lives. God, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O oh, Lord God. You are my rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. You see, 25 years ago when I was sitting here in chapel for the first time, sitting beside me, was a person named doug Eccles, and you see doug and i we'd actually been college roommates together and we both ended up coming to this this seminary together studied here together and now 25 years later god still allows us to serve within earshot of one another it's just been one of those special blessings in our lives and in ministry today in fact i was talking to him just the other uh just the other week and was telling him i was gonna be coming down here and he said man i wish i could come but i'm moving my my daughter into college this week, or else I'm convinced he would be here also. I think about my dear friend, Derek Futrell. I met, I met Derek when he was 15 years old. He was uh, a teenager at the first church that my wife and I went to serve at after graduating from Southeastern Seminary. Now, 20 years later, we've been able to be involved in planning a church together, and now today, he's not only one of my dearest friends, but he's also my family's pastor. I share those examples with you because, ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of us need to understand that there is a threat to our ministries. I believe that the friendless minister is a threat to faithful ministry. You and I, we need to have godly friendships in our lives. And it's not something that you just simply can take for granted in fact in this day and age there can even be great confusion about what it means to have genuine relationships in our lives recently an appeals court for instance in florida passed a ruling on whether or not a facebook friend is actually a friend or not and then a different court in palm uh, in, in palm springs actually they They passed a different view on that very ruling, and it's speculated that the Florida Supreme Court may actually have to answer the question in Florida about what does it mean to be a friend. There's confusion in the land. Bottom line is this. Just because someone friends us on Facebook doesn't mean we've been befriended. And right here in 1 Samuel 18, you have this classic example of how God knit together Jonathan and David As friends as deep friends now some folks have attempted to take the friendship of Jonathan and David and quite honestly to pervert it into something that it is not and that it was not this was not some type of of relationship that was sinister or immoral or unbiblical but it is unusual it is unusual because of such a deep abiding friendship between two men Now, ladies in the room, I certainly know that you're here. I I know Southeastern has a tremendous program uh, ministering and helping equip ladies that serve among us. And dear women, I just want you to know that in many respects, you do a much better job than men do when it comes to building friendships and maintaining relationships. So I want you to allow me to also give a particular challenge in particular today to the men in the congregation. But ladies, obviously you know this is extremely important for you as well. But right here in the Bible, just as you have the relationship of Ruth and Naomi, for instance, a tremendous example of friendship, here you have a tremendous example of friendship between two men in Jonathan and in David. And really what is so interesting is is these are men who were warriors. These are men who knew what it was to be on the battlefield. In 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan is involved as a mighty warrior battling the Philistines himself. Of course, we know about David, how in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, God uses him to defeat Goliath. So these are warriors and as ministers of the gospel, as missionaries, as future pastors, or as current pastors, you know this you are on a battlefield. Ministry is not a cakewalk, it's not just a career choice. In the words of Paul Tripp, it is indeed a battlefield. And that's why it is so important for us to understand that we need to have a band of brothers while we're on the battlefield. You need to have some friends with you in the foxhole. And that's why I'm so thankful that over the past couple decades of ministry service, I've been able to have a couple brothers in my life that usually at least once a week, I will have conversation with on the telephone. So in the midst of all of the lessons that you can learn here while at seminary, I want to encourage you to remember a lesson that you were taught even back in kindergarten. In fact, I'm reminded of Robert Fulgram's poem about everything I needed to learn I learned in kindergarten listen to a little bit of it all I really needed to know I learned in kindergarten all I really needed to know about how to live and what to do and how to be I learned in kindergarten wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain but there in the sand pile at Sunday school these are the things that I learned share everything play fair don't hit people put things back where you found them Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush, that's important. Warm, <laughs> warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance, that's, that's tough for us at times in the Baptist world, and play. And work every day some take a nap every afternoon when you go out into the world watch out for traffic hold hands and stick together now that's simple kindergarten advice that all of us see is kind of trite and nice and very simplistic But I submit to you today that in midst of all the theology you're going to learn, in the midst of all of the biblical teaching you're going to be enriched in and learning languages and so forth, never ever forget something as simple as the importance of a good godly friendship. Why? Because you're going to be under attack and ministry is a battlefield and you need a band of brothers with you in the foxhole. When I look at First Samuel 18, I want you to see here that godly friendships, they're a gift of God, really because of the grace of God. Even look at Jonathan's name. I just, I just did a little research on Jonathan's name. You know, maybe you're expecting a child, and you'll get one of those baby books out, and you'll look up a name. I love the name Jonathan. A couple folks have defined it different ways. One definition is, is, is this, that Jonathan means Jehovah has given. Another definition is God is gracious. I know this, that in David's life, this man after God's own heart, Jonathan was a gift from God. Jonathan was a gracious gift of a friend to David. And I think God knew, of course, that David was gonna need a friend like Jonathan with the issues and the battles he was gonna face. In verse 1, when you look at this, the Bible tells us that that Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And of course, was knit is in the passive voice. When you look at this here, you see the hand of God all over this. How God was orchestrating, bringing these two men together and blessing them with a friendship that would be known through the ages. And what is so interesting is when you begin to read through these first few verses right here in chapter 18... You look at verse 3. The Bible says, Jonathan made a covenant with David. Now, that right there tells us that this was a whole nother level of friendship. In fact, the great preacher, Adrian Rogers, he makes the comment about covenant here. He said this. He said, this was 10,000 times more serious and significant than what most of us call friends. It's hard for us to understand what it meant to have this deep abiding covenant friendship. But my prayer for you is this, is that each of us would experience at least a couple folks in our lives that are those kind of covenant friends. I mean, these two men came together with this common faith in God and love for God that bonded them together. And I'm believing that God is going to bring across your path, if he hasn't already, a person or two in your life. They can be those soul brothers for you. She can be your soul sister, dear lady. They can walk with you through life. And they can have that common bond with you. This whole idea of being knitted together, being thread together. It's as if this chain had bonded them together as deep abiding friends. You know, a lot of times life, even in ministry seems to digress into what I'll just call competition. It becomes about, well, this is how we're doing, and this is how we're doing. We, we have to watch out for envy and for jealousy. If you're not there yet, or if you've never experienced it yet, just, just brace yourself because the day may come that, that you indeed will. You don't particularly see that with Jonathan and David. Instead of competition, you see a commitment. Instead of striving and selfishness, what you see is you see sacrifice. And really what you see it most of all, I believe, is in Jonathan. I think what is so interesting is when Jonathan and David are referred to, even though David goes down in history as being the one that most of us preach about and talk about, actually every time that I can count that they are mentioned together, Jonathan's always mentioned first. And when you look at these verses in just chapter 18, what you see is it's Jonathan taking action here. Just look at the text with me in verse one. Jonathan loved him. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Verse three, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Verse four, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and he gave it to David it is amazing to not to not take for granted that it's jonathan taking such significant action here so let me just kind of give you five observations from their friendship if i may number one is this just jot this down godly friendships require us to be intentional that's what you see jonathan doing here now make no mistake about it i believe it was the sovereign hand of god and the grace of god that brings jonathan and david together i believe it is god that knits them together all right? I don't think this just happened by accident. I don't think it just so happened that they ended up being you know, kind of put in the same classroom or, or sitting at the same table. I believe God in his grace brought these two men together. But the first observation is important. Godly friendships require us to be intentional. Jonathan shows intention in building his friendship with David. And you and I, we have to do the same thing. You and I, we cannot just sit around and just expect that all of a sudden, we're going to meet this fantastic best friend when, when we don't talk to anybody, when we don't reach out to anybody, when we don't attempt to at least connect with some other people. Now, I'm not talking about personality differences. I know some of us are more extroverted than others, and some of us are more introverted than others. I'm not talking about that. In fact, I think as you kind of look at personality types, I think, I think folks that may actually be more introverted on the personality scale actually end up being some of the best friends, by the way. I mean, I'm just telling you, man, if you, if you end up, if you end up making best friends with an introvert, dude, you're gonna go deep in a hurry because that person, that person is gonna give you a whole lot. And so I'm not really talking about personality, I'm just talking about taking initiative and being intentional. And it's important to be intentional in building godly friendships. The Lilly Foundation, for instance, invested $84 million over a 10-year period to study the practices of Christian pastors in America across 25 different denominations. And the common connector they found was this. Each, Each discovery found out that relationships with peers were the key factor to those pastors' success. That's the Lilly Foundation. A common stereotype about the apostle Paul is that he was some sort of lone ranger evangelist. I'm telling you, just a cursory reading of Paul's letters will teach you something entirely different. I mean, I know many of us, when we study, for instance, the book of Romans, you, you will be in awe of the theological treatise that the book of Romans is. But in one hand, uh, for the missiologists in the room, I'm sure they would contend that the book of Romans, in many respects, was a missionary letter, of course, calling people to be supportive of his venture and his prayer to get to Spain. But don't miss the fact that the whole end of the letter, and most of us don't even read chapter 16, for instance, and chapter 15, what you don't want to miss is the fact that Paul just goes on and on and on about his co. and his co-laborers and his friends in Christ the Apostle Paul knew that he could not be on the battlefield by himself and neither can you neither can I Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself called his disciples to himself. He spent intentional time with them. And even out of the 12, he had those three that he took with him very intentionally. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wanted a couple of those friends there with him. He was asking them, pray for me. If you're going to have godly friendships, you're going to have to be intentional. Because you cannot view friendship as a luxury. You have to view godly friendship as a necessity. And I think that's where Jonathan and David find themselves. Number two is this godly friendships protect us from being harmed or or when we fall under attack. Just thumb over to chapter nineteen in First Samuel. Here in chapter nineteen, Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David, and Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you, therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself, and I'm going to go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I'm going to speak to my father about you. There's a couple of things that you and I need in a godly friend. Number one is this. You need a friend that's going to stand by you. Jonathan is a friend that stands by David. Now, there's a whole other conversation we could have and a whole other study you could do on Jonathan's relationship with his father Saul. In fact, the interesting question is this. Why, why did Jonathan not battle Goliath himself? Why did that fall to David? Because back in chapter 14, Jonathan's being used of God. He's a, he, he's a mighty warrior. Jonathan's not some pansy that was hidden over in the corner. No, he's a warrior. He dies as a warrior. I think part of it is is that Jonathan, I think, clued in before a whole lot of folks did about what God was up to. I think he came to understand what was also going on in his dad's life a lot sooner than a lot of folks understood what was going on in the king's life. And you see that Jonathan's heart was knit to David because I think Jonathan came to understand before a whole lot of folks that David was now God's anointed. And Jonathan stands with David, and he is there in his life, and he says, I'm going to protect you from harm. And he stands by him, and in verse 4, he speaks up for him. You and I, we need some people in our life like that. We need some people in our life who will stand up for us. We need some people in our lives who will speak up for us. And by the way, we need some people in our lives who will speak to us. Jonathan does that in David's life. Godly friendships protect us from harm. Let me just kind of continue this little character study if, 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 if we can. Verse down to chapter 20, for instance. Look at that with me. Look at what happens here in verse 1. Chapter 20. David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, I just want you to read, read with me here. Just look at what's going on with David. This is David now. This is mighty David, the giant slayer. He's talking to Jonathan. What have I done? What is my guilt? what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life let me just put it to you like this david is flipping out all right i mean david is losing his mind he's going crazy he's like jonathan man your dad's after me he wants to kill me he's chasing me down he won't cut me a break right here in this episode you see david just being wide open with jonathan being so real with him and so frank with him it brings me to this third observation godly friendships allow us to be ourselves you and I we need we need some folks we can just be ourselves with and that's what you see with Jonathan Jonathan is that for David he looks at David in verse 2, he says, he said, to, the Bible says, he said to him, far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does, does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It's not so. But David vowed against him. Man, you, you, you're dead wrong. Your father knows well that I found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, don't let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. And then so Jonathan says in verse 4, okay, okay, okay. Whatever you say, I'll do for you, bro. All right? He settles him down. And of course, you know, the rest of this chapter, man, Jonathan takes his life in his own hands, comes this close to being speared to death himself because his father gets so enraged. But the takeaway, the observation I just want to submit to you right now is this. Is listen, you need some godly friendships that allow us to be ourselves and that press us to become better than ourselves. That's what you see in Jonathan and in David. You see, a lot of us, we, as Chuck Swindoll puts it, a lot of us in ministry, we're going to have acquaintances. Maybe then you're going to have some casual friends. You may even have some close friends. What you need are a few intimate friends you need some folks that can look you in the eye and can just tell by looking you in the eye that sums up you need folks that can speak truth in your life I know that's what I need people say well Brian you know you've you've been married 24 years don't you have that with your wife I, I sure hope I do but you know what is really unfair to my wife is to lay upon her all of my friendship load I say amen to the fact that your wife, outside of Jesus Christ, can be your best friend. But my wife would look at all of you this morning and say, listen, before I ever married Brian, I knew down deep that there's but one Messiah in this world, and his name's Jesus Christ. It's not Brian Autry. So number one, got to get that down. You got to know who your Messiah is. And then number two, she goes, listen, I want to be the closest other human being in that man's life, but mark it down. He needs to have a couple good brothers in his life too, amen? Jonathan is that for David. A fourth observation is this. You really find it over in chapter 23 as you just kind of look at when these guys are, are talking with each other. Over in chapter 23, look, just look with me down at verse 15. The Bible here tells us that David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, and here it is, this is what I highlighted, rose and went to David at Horish, and here it is, strengthened his hand in God. He encouraged him in the Lord. You know, some ways that, 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 that a godly friend can strengthen us in the Lord. Godly friend's presence strengthens us in the Lord. Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and he went to David. He went to him. He gave him his presence. A godly friend's prayer strengthened you in the Lord. He strengthened his hand in God. He just didn't give David a pep talk. I think we need friends in our lives who take us to God in prayer. And that's what this guy does. That's what my friend Derek does. We can yuck it up. We can have a good time. We can have so much fun laughing and talking and all kinds of things together. But time after time, this dear friend of mine, he'll look at me and say, "No, let me pray for you about that. I can tell there's a burden in your life. Let me pray for you about that. A godly friend's protection strengthens you in the Lord. In verse 17, he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. He was making an oath to David. He was saying, I'm going to watch your back. I'm going I'm to have your back. I'm going to make sure you're protected. He also strengthens him with his personal loyalty. He says in verse 17, you shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father also knows this. You know who we're talking about here, right, y'all? This is Jonathan. He's, He's the crown prince. Yet Jonathan says, my loyalty isn't to my status. It's not to my position. My loyalty is to you. I am your best friend. You need godly friendships. A Godly friends promise strengthen you verse 18 the two of them made a covenant once again Here's this covenant before the Lord and David remained at Horus and Jonathan went home Makes me think of Proverbs 27 17 as iron sharpens. So one man sharpens another Now my last thought number five is probably more speculation than it is an observation And it's because what you find in first Samuel chapter 31 is that Jonathan is killed in battle In 2 Samuel chapter 1, David, David gives a testimony of his love and of the strength of Jonathan. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 26. But something else happens in 2 Samuel. It happens in chapter 11. It involves Bathsheba. Now to all the scholars in the room, I'm just going to put this under the category of my Speculation. I just find it interesting that while David had some serious struggles, while Jonathan was his friend, what goes down in history is one of his most grievous sins and worst episodes happened after Jonathan died. My fifth speculation is this godly friendships help us to finish well. The danger would be that 25 years from now, you'll forget how much you need godly friendships because you're going to be somebody. You're going to arrive somewhere. You're gonna have so many folks that just know you and they just know you because of, well, your job. And that is just so wrong. And that's just so scary. You don't need me to tell you this. You can, you can read social media. You can keep up with the headlines yourself, but mark it down. I firmly believe godly friendships help us. They're not the magic bullet, but they help us to finish well. So here's the conclusion. You need a friend like Jonathan. That's the thesis. You need a friend like Jonathan. But now, I don't want you to miss this, and I hope this would be inherent, but I want to be clear about it. Make no mistake about it, in case this just sounds like a good kind of pep talk you could get at any kind of first week of a new school year, mark it down. Jesus is the best Jonathan. You know that. In Jonathan, we have a picture of Christ. He's the king's son. He wasn't ashamed to have David as his friend, just as Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brethren. Hebrews 2.11. The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and he loved him as his own soul. No one, though, loves us more than, say it with me, Jesus. John 15.13. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Jonathan made an everlasting covenant with David. No one's made more of an everlasting covenant with us than Jesus. Old Jonathan stripped himself of, of his robe and his weapons, but you and I all know what Jesus stripped himself of and how now he blesses us, not with just any robe of royalty, but his robe of righteousness. Jonathan strengthened David in God's hand, and the Lord says to us, 2 Corinthians twelve nine my strength is made perfect in weakness. The picture of Jonathan David falls short like all pictures do when it comes to considering the Lord Himself. So make no mistake about it, Jesus is the best Jonathan, but then remember this. This isn't really about you looking for a Jonathan. I think ultimately it's about you being a Jonathan because that's the glory of the gospel is that the Spirit of God is in you and the Spirit of God can enable you and me to not just cry out for a Jonathan but to be a Jonathan that's why Jesus could say to us in John 13 a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another so loved ones we don't need the Supreme Court of Florida to tell us the definition of a friend I think the Bible gives you a picture of friendship in Jonathan and David And the Bible gives you the hope and the promise and the security of the ultimate friend in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Because the day's going to come, 25 years from now, right? You're going to probably have done a whole lot of funerals, a whole lot of weddings, and preached a whole lot of sermons. But the day's going to come when you won't be standing behind the pulpit. And you know maybe where I'm going with this. The day's going to come when your your wife or your kids are going to look for six people to carry you into church for the last time. They're going to look for six people to carry you in and to set your coffin in front of the church. And they're going to look for six people to carry you out. So my question for you, I'll leave you with is this. Who are going to be the six? Who are going to be the six folks that grab a hold of your coffin and carry you out? Now, I know you're already going to be with the Lord and all that, but it's going to be a great comfort to your loved ones to be able to look over there at that front row when they're sitting over here and to see some of your godly friends. I want to pray specifically now for God to bless you, number one, with a godly friend. Number two, to reassure you that God can use you to be that godly friend. And number three, to continually remind you That your wife, nor your buddy, nor your professor is your Messiah. That only Jesus, only Jesus gets that job. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you blessed us with our salvation. Lord, thank you. Lord Jesus, for being the friend that sticks closer than any brother. Thank you for making the ultimate covenant with us. And God, thank you in your grace and your goodness that you gift us with godly friendships. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless each person listening to this message. Bless us with at least one close godly friend. And then, God, motivate us, strengthen us, and empower us to embrace the opportunity you put before us to be that godly friend. Lord, I pray for a great semester, marvelous classes, and fantastic teaching to happen. And God, I pray in the midst of that, that you'll give us some strong friends. In Jesus' name we pray,
0: amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you're thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, We hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu.